Thank you so much for joining us online. We want Bethany to be a place where people can get connected to God, to each other, and to the world. If you would like someone to talk to or to pray for you, you can email us at prayer at bethanysite.com. We also greatly appreciate everyone that gives so generously at Bethany. If you'd like to give, you can do so by clicking Give in the top right menu on our homepage at bethanysite.com. Again, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. Well, we want to welcome you to services this weekend, this hot, hot weekend. I hope you guys are all making it through the heat. I'm glad to see all of you here in the building. And those of you that are joining us online, it's so great to be together this, this weekend. I hope you're taking care of yourself. Uh, those of you that don't have air conditioning, join us here. It's, it's hot, but it's cool here, so it's great. It's nice. So I hope you guys are having a great, great weekend and enjoying this three-digit three weather. We're in the uh, middle of a series, and we're actually ending it this weekend called Believe. And, and it's really been a fun series where we've, we've got to kind of unpack this idea of belief. And, and the theme verse that we've been looking at is John 6, 28 to 29, where the disciples ask Jesus a question. They say, what must we do to do the works God required. And Jesus answers them and he says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so we've been kind of circling around this idea of belief and looking at how Jesus places this high value on belief. And we've looked at all these different stories in John 6. So if you're following along with us, we're going to kind of end by looking at John 6, 60 in, in, in the Bible in, in, uh, in John. So if you want to follow along, you might want to get there. But as we get there, I want to ask you a question. And this is the question. It's kind of a life question that maybe you've kicked around, maybe you haven't. But the question is this. Have you ever thought about, about where you find real life? Have you ever thought about that? Because I think it's an important question to answer. Or maybe a, a better way to, to, to phrase it is, is uh, what makes you come alive in life? What makes you come alive? What gets you fired up? I think it's important because when we believe something, it really aims us towards those things that we're, we're trying to figure out. And, and for me, growing up, I, I've kind of been on this journey of putting things there to, to try and figure out uh, what what's life's all about. When I was younger, I kind of focused on kind of physical things, you know, physique and sports and friends and all the, the fun things that go along with being young. And as I've gotten older, I, I've realized something, and maybe you've recognized this as, as you've gotten a little older, is that we've gotten sophisticated. And so things have become a little more subtle. And so now things that, that I, I look towards for, for, for that feeling of, of real life are more things like comfort and, and self-will and pride and, and hoping that people think the best of me and things like that. And so, so I've been seeking all of those kinds of things. And I feel like we all can probably relate to having things that, that we look towards to find real life. And the world's full of things that, that, that we get offered, whether it's our appearances or, or our comfort, like I mentioned, or maybe, maybe it's your social media presence. Some of us are, are, are influencers, right, or trying to be influencers, or maybe it's all about the likes we get or that, that fake life that we put out there on social media, and maybe, maybe that's what life's all about. But, but when we look at that when, and, we, and we really look at what life's about, we, we find something very interesting. We find out that, that none of those things, none of those things really provide us real life, and it's life we're talking about is life that's like long-lasting real life. We're not talking about a temporary 
real life. Those things give us temporary real life. We're talking about long time real life. And, and really that, that thing that we're looking for is, is what we want to look at today is, is the big idea. And that big idea today is that, that real life can only be found in one thing. And, and it seems simple, but, it, but it's to believe and know Jesus. It, it seems so simple, yet the world gives us so many different things that might fit into that same bucket, and we chase after them. And whether it's, it's uh, status or finances or whatever it is, there's all these things that we try and put in the place of Jesus because we feel like maybe this is the thing that will make me feel like, like this is the life that, that Jesus is talking about. And yet, yet we're designed to have just that one thing in our lives. Jesus has designed us to be in relationship with him and to experience real, full life when we believe and know him. And that's what this series has really been all about, is this, this idea of belief and figuring out what John and Jesus are talking about as they talk about belief. And if you remember, as we've looked through John 6, it's very, been very thematic, right? It's, it's all been on belief, yet it's felt chronological. And, and when you look at John, you might think, oh, he's, he writes things chronologically. But, but really, there's a lot of uh, different places when you look at John where he's very thematic. He's always looking at these areas and going, I'm, I'm going to write something totally different. So if you just, for instance, if you jump into chapter two, he's got the first miracle Jesus done right after that. He, he's got the, the uh, turning over the tables, which if you know anything about Jesus' story, that's right before he gets arrested. And so those aren't in order chronologically. So there's lots of thematic things that we find when we look at John. And so John 6 is very similar. So as we look back, if you've missed some of the different weeks that we've looked at John 6, we've looked at some different ways that Jesus has pointed us to this idea of belief and this high value that he's talking about. We looked at how Jesus fed the 5,000 and he had this big group of people that were following him and they, they were just trying to see and be around him and see what was going to happen and, and he feeds the 5,000 and all these people come to believe in Jesus. In the midst of that story, the disciples are, are learning about belief and, and what that's all about. And then there's the little boy that, that brings all he has to try and meet needs with Jesus, and he learns a little bit about belief. And the next week, we talked about how Jesus walked on water and, and how he challenged his, his disciples in, in that idea of belief and who he really was. And then this last week, this, this long section of Jesus in the synagogue teaching and, and teaching on things that, that weren't real popular and talking about bread and bread of life and he's the bread of life and talking about how this crazy metaphor of you eat my body and drink my, drink my flesh, you know, blood, you're going you're gonna to have eternal life and real life and the people didn't like it. And so we pick up the story with all of that in mind and that, that big long section in the synagogue and this is kind of the response that we're going to look at in verse 60, in John 6, 60. So we're going to jump in there as we, as we look at this last bit of, of John 6, 60. And, and I really hope you'll follow along. This, the words will be on the screen or you can follow along in whatever method you have there. So let's jump in and we'll do a few verses and then we'll jump out and kind of look at what Jesus is showing us each little section. So let's, let's read a few verses here. All right. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? He's referring back to what we were talking about from last week. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? 
So I'm going to stop right there and, and, and kind of point out a couple of things. Uh, he's saying many of his disciples, and oftentimes when we read disciples, we hear, oh, the 12, his very closest friends, the ones he's with. But, but really right here, they're referring to a wider group of followers of Jesus, this, this bigger group, the people that were following along, maybe the ones that had jumped in after they got fed the loaves and, and ate their fill. Maybe it was from another miracle or maybe something else they'd heard, but, but it was the larger group that, that was following him. And they make this comment. They make this comment about what he'd been talking about the week before. He says, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? I don't know if you've had a hard teacher before in your life. I've had a few different hard teachers. So going through junior high and high school, we were back in the age where, you know, they, they still gave swats if you got a, did something bad. I, I'm pretty sure they don't do that anymore. Um, but but, but it, was, it was a different time. And I had a teacher I can remember vividly. I, going into eighth grade, we're in a new junior high school, Enumclaw Junior High. Go Hornets. Any Hornets in that? No, no Hornets. Okay, cool. Um, but, but we're going to this junior high and, and, and I, I walk into Earth Science and I see this man and, and it's Mr. Glenn Dacus. He's, he's this teacher that, that everyone fears. He's this huge mammoth of a man. He's about 60 years old, but he's, he's the guy in the weight room that everybody fears because he's benching more than any kid ever dreamed they would and just putting out reps, just easy. He's just huge. He'll shake your hand and you just kind of whimper like, ah, you know, and, and so, so I walk in and I see, oh, great, I've got, I've got Glenn Dacus. Shoot, this, I've heard he's so difficult. And we sit down and, and he, he's wearing his tie and he's just filling out his shirt so nicely and he's just huge and, and he starts to share his story. I, I'm, a, I'm a former drill sergeant. We're like, oh, no kidding. He's, he's intense. He's all business. And he just starts to fill us in and he, and he goes, some of you are going to really enjoy my class. I'm like, oh, cool. And he goes, and some of you aren't, so you're not going to finish. You're not going to make it. And he's just totally frank, and we didn't really know what that meant, but over the next few weeks, we watched as he just kicked kids out of his class. What did you say? Oh, you're out. And he just kept kicking kids out of class until he got down to this smaller group, and then he, he became actually this really cool, great teacher, but he just didn't want any of the nonsense. And so this hard teacher became this incredible guy, and he was a great friend that I had through that, that whole year. But, you know, as we look at Jesus, he, he's kind of similar. He's, he's this hard teacher. He's sharing this, this hard teaching. And, and the disciples, they say, this is hard. This is a hard teaching. And they say, who can accept this? Notice they don't say, who can understand this? They, they aren't having trouble understanding Jesus' teaching. They're having trouble accepting it because it's kind of weird. Let's, let's be real. He, he's saying, hey, those of you that, that eat my, my flesh and drink my blood, you'll find real life. And, and they knew it was a metaphor. But, but you have to remember that culture. It was all about sacrificing. And, and if you did something wrong, you got to sacrifice something. So there's all this sacrifice they'd grown up with. And, and then this, this man is talking all this crazy stuff sacrifice about himself and it's kind of crazy and so so they didn't like it they didn't accept it and Jesus kind of it says he's aware of it and he says this he says does does this offend you does this offend you have you ever been asked that does this offend you usually when I've been asked does this offend you the answer was long ago yeah this offended me definitely and I, th I think Jesus knew yeah this offended those the people he was talking to and then, then he goes on and, and does something else. He offends them again as he says, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was 
before, which to us doesn't seem offensive, right? It's like, oh, whatever, you probably are assuming, yeah, he means ascend back to heaven. But there's, there's more to this story because really a lot of scholars look at this and they'll say, there's really two ways you can look at it. One way is, is, is just, yeah, that, that Jesus just is saying he'd, he'd ascend back to heaven, which wouldn't, wouldn't be that awful for these people. They'd probably accept it and move on and, and be okay. But, but the, the more, uh, the more uh, interpreted one that scholars pick is, is this one. And it's really what John leans into a lot is, is that he was saying that, that, that he would ascend to the cross and then he would be res- resurrected eventually and ascend to heaven. And, and so there, this carried so much more as they looked at this because the, they were offended because they couldn't believe that someone that was claiming to be God would choose to end their life this way. In the, in the worst death that they can think of by the, by the Romans, the Romans have designed this horrible death to be the worst death in, in possible. And, and this guy claiming to be God is saying, hey, that's, that's what's going to end up happening. And it, it was offensive to them as they were trying to follow this guy who said that he was God. And so the story, it goes on in, in 63. And it says, the spirit gives life. Jesus is saying this, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. I want you to catch that first little thing. The spirit gives life. The spirit gives life. It's such an important phrase because when you think of it, the Spirit, he's, he's talking about as the Holy Spirit, the, the, the helper that we've been given, the part of God that's supposed to be the relational part, the part that, that's supposed to dwell in us. And Jesus says the Spirit, that Spirit gives us life. The flesh, the flesh doesn't give us anything. It doesn't count for anything. The flesh meaning yourself. And the only other place we see this in John is in the story about Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders he's talking to, and, and, he, and they're meeting, and it's John 3, 6, if you wanted to look there. But, but Jesus says this to, to Nicodemus. He says, the flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. And I think what Jesus is trying to make sure we understand is that, that we can't gain eternal life ourselves. We can't gain life to the full on our own. We can't manufacture life ourselves. The only way to true full life is through the Spirit. And that's why he says the Spirit is what gives life, not, not anything else, not something that the world is telling you. The Spirit is what gives life. And then he goes on to talk a little bit about, about his words. And he says his words are, are full. They're full of Spirit and life. They're full of spirit and life. And Jesus, he was given this this unlimited amount of Holy Spirit. No one else had this kind of power. And I think this is so significant because you can't believe in Jesus without believing in this, in these words. You can't believe. And so he's saying these words are full of spirit and life, just like the spirit is full of life. It's one and the same. And then he goes on to say that, that some of them there aren't going to believe. They they don't believe it. And that he'd known that from the beginning. Jesus knew. And if you look back a little in in John 2.25, he knew exactly what was in 
people, what was in man. He, he says in 2.25, he did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. He knew exactly what was in each person. And he'd known from the beginning, he'd known from the beginning of creation what was in every single person. He didn't try and convince them of who he was because he already knew what they were going to choose. So the story goes on and it says in 65, he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. No one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. A, a better translation is than enabled is, is than, than given them. And it really refers back to, to John 6, that we talked about last week, where, where uh, it talks about how the Father who sent me draws him, his people back to himself. The Father draws his people back to himself. He's really trying to reiterate that, that the Father calls his people. He calls each of us to himself. And it's such a, such a privilege when you read that, a privilege to believe in what has been given to us that we don't deserve. This, this opportunity to believe in this, this incredible God that designed us and created us to be in this incredible relationship with him. What a privilege that he's offering. And then it says that from this time or from the time that he had this, this hard teaching, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So that larger group again, some of them said, yeah, this is just too hard, Jesus. We, we can't accept it. It's not that we don't understand it. We just can't accept it. And, and they turned back. And the story ends in, in 67 to 71. We'll finish it up here. It says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who thought, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. See, Jesus doesn't want them to, to, to leave, but, but he gives them this choice. And the, the world is so full of choices when you think about it. We have so many choices. It starts from the minute that we wake up, we have choices. We, we wake up and we say, should I hit the snooze or not? Should I go work out and exercise? What, what kind of clothes should I put on? What, what kind of breakfast am I going to have? It's, it's nonstop choices. And Jesus says, hey, there's a choice that's the biggest choice in your life. And I'm allowing it to be a choice to follow me or not. It's a choice. And when I thought about choices, it, it made me think of of a choice I made when I was, when I was little that, that my mom allowed, which I can't believe she, she actually allowed. But I was about 10 and my, my brother is about eight. And, and we, didn't really, we didn't really like how the, the ruling was going on in the household. And so we decided, you know what? We, we can find better things here. We, we can do it better on our own. At 10 years old, me and my brother are conspiring this. And, and we decide we're, we're gonna leave home. We're gonna go figure it out on ourselves. And we're just going to get it figured out. So we rolled up our, our themed sleeping bag that's about this thick and works down to about 70 degrees Fahrenheit. You wouldn't make it through a 60 degree night. You know, we rolled up my Scooby-Doo one, his Woody Woodpecker one. We tied it on the, 
the handlebars. We put a, 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 I think we had a flashlight we just jammed in there, maybe a pocket knife. We're like, that's all we need. We're out. We, see you later, mom. My mom goes, all right, see you later. 10 and 8. And we kind of look at her and then we go, okay. And we start riding down the driveway, me and my brother. Right out to the end of the driveway, look back, she's not there. Oh, okay. Turn, going down the concrete, she's still not there. And finally, I'm like, we, we got to sit there. We got to pull over and talk here. I, I don't know. This isn't working out the way we thought it would. And, and so my brother and I started talking. We're like, maybe this was a bad choice. We're not sure if this was the right choice. And we end up deciding. I'm sure my mom had kind of from afar been watching us. I don't, I don't know. I never found out. But... But we finally said, you know what, we, we need to go back. We're, we're 10 and 8. What are we going to do with a pocket knife and a flashlight? We, we can whittle, I guess. That's, that's about it. That's all we got. Um, so we head back home. But the reason I tell you that story is because it, our life at that moment was about this choice. And my mom was so gracious and said, yeah, all right, we'll see you later. It's your choice. And Jesus says this to his disciples, the 12 in this, in this instance. He says, are you going to leave too? Do you want to go too? And, and I really believe he says that to each and every one of us. Do you want to go or, or, or do you want to follow me? It's up to you. It's completely up to you. The biggest choice of your life is completely up to you. And Simon Peter, I love how he answers. And he, and he answers on behalf of all 12. He says, where else would they turn for this, this message of eternal life? Like, where else would we go, Jesus? And then he says something I think that's, that's so, so radical, so important, because he uses the word belief, but he adds extra emphasis when he says, we believe and know who you are, Jesus. We believe and know. This extra emphasis, this beyond what, what other people were saying about how they believed in God. And John, I think, is making it really clear. He wants people to understand that it's about belief and it's about knowing God. He says, we believe and we know. We, we, we know that you are the Holy One of God. You're the authoritative agent of God. We, we know who you are and you have the power to give us life, give us eternal life. We know who you are. And when I think about that, I think, you know, I believe, I, I, I could believe a lot of things from a lot of people in this room, but, but if I don't know you, it, it becomes hard for me to really go very far with you. And I think that was the case with some of these, these other disciples that decided to turn back. They believed in God, but they, weren't, they didn't know him that well. Or maybe they didn't know him at all. But these 12, they had this relationship. They had relational ex- equity. They, they knew who Jesus was. They knew his character. They believed exactly who he said he was, that he was, he was God in flesh. They understood and knew. And they said, where else are we going to go, Jesus? There's nowhere else to turn. You're the one. You're the one. And the story, it, it ends with, with Jesus just replying and, and saying, hey, I chose all 12 of you. I chose all 12 of you. And, and that kind of blows my mind when, I, when you think about the story and you think about what it's saying right after that, that, that even the one that betrayed him, he chose all 12, even Judas who was going to betray him. He chose his betrayer and he knew beforehand all 12 of them. These are my 12. These are my guys. He chose them all. And I love this story because, because this story, I think, shows us so much God's character. It shows us how God looks at belief 
But it also shows us how important knowing God relationally, having this mutual love relationship where God loves us and that's great, but we love him back. And it's so, so mutual and it's so important to believe and know. And yet the world, the world says, you know what? There's so many other things that, I, that you can find life in. There's so many other things. Why don't you try some other things? There's so many choices. There's so many choices. And, 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 and I think God's saying, no, there's, there's only one choice. Because you see, you see, I sent my son. I sent my son to come and live among you and to die for you on that cross so that you could have this life. And I don't know if you've, you've experienced this life we've been talking about, this life that, that, that Jesus is talking about, this life from the spirit instead of from ourselves because we can manufacture a life that can seem it can seem like it's pretty good and maybe for some of us here today we're going man I've, I've had a pretty good life it's pretty good but I will tell you that eventually whatever we come up with whatever our flesh comes up with it's gonna fail us and Jesus the Spirit of God is the only way to true, real life. Because when we believe and know that he is who he said he was, just like these disciples believed and knew who they were with, life becomes full, it becomes rich. And, and man, I desire that in my life. I desire it so much. And there's days that I'm on top of the world and there's days that, that I fail. I don't know about you guys, but, but I, wanna, I wanna be on top of the world every day. And so, so I pray every day, I say, God, can you, can you step in in that area? Can you help me in this area? Can you rescue me from this issue that I think was giving me life, but it wasn't? Because I know what you're about. We're gonna sing a song here in a moment and, and I wanna pray for you guys, but, but I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you as we finish up to, to, to think about one thing, think about what things you've been seeking life in? Where have you been finding life? And is it fulfilling you? Is it feeling like this is it? Or is it feeling like, man, there, there's gotta be something more because I'll tell you, I've done that for a long time and it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked one bit. The only thing that worked in my life was when I said, all right, Jesus, let's do this together. Let's walk and have true life. So as we sing this song, I would just challenge you guys to think about those things in your life that, that maybe you've been too focused on and you need help. Maybe, maybe it's time to say, Jesus, will you take that? Will you take that from me? Would you take that issue from me? Would you take my pride from me, my, my, my will, my, my desire to be popular, whatever it is, take that from me and replace it with you. Would you do that for me, Jesus? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, that you desire real life with us and, and that, that you give us the, the tools to do that, God. And I just pray that each of us today would understand that, that that's found in your spirit, not in, not in what we can do, but in your spirit. And God, I just pray today as we sing this song, we would think about those areas where, where, where we're putting other things in that spot and, and it's not that designed relationship that you have for us. And God, I just pray that each of these folks here today would be bold in those areas and would be willing to give those to you.
We thank you for how much you love us, Jesus. We pray this in your name, amen.